Hello, everyone. My name is Sarah Ellsworth, and you are listening to the Craving Crimes podcast, sponsored by the Criminology and Criminal Justice Collective at the University of Michigan-Dearborn. We are so excited to have you join us today as we talk about the bizarre death of Elisa Lamb. Our story begins on February 19th, 2013. Guests at the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles, California, began complaining to the front desk about the water pressure in their rooms. Some were saying it tasted funny and others saying it was coming out completely black. The hotel then sent maintenance worker Santiago Lopez up to the top floor to check. To get to the top floor of the hotel, you had to take the elevator to the 15th floor, go up another flight of stairs, disarm a security alarm, and then climb up another platform to get to the water tank, which needed a ladder to be accessed. This water tank supplied water to the guest rooms, the kitchen, and a coffee shop down the street. When he looked inside, Lopez found the body of 21-year-old Elisa Lamb. Now, just to back up a little bit and give some context to Elisa and her life, she was born April 30th, 1991 in Vancouver, Canada to David and Yina Lam, who were immigrants from Hong Kong. She attended the University of British Columbia, and at the time, she was struggling with her mental health and recent bipolar disorder diagnosis. She decided to travel to the U.S. on what she called her West Coast tour. Her parents were extremely nervous to let her travel alone, but she was hopeful that this trip would be good for her. She contacted her parents every day and also updated her blog regularly. On Blogspot, her page was called Etherfields and on Tumblr, Nouvelle Nouveau. She would outline her trip on this blog and on Tumblr, her page has since been removed since her death, minus the header and the quote in her bio, you're always haunted by the idea you're wasting your life. She checked into the Cecil Hotel on January 26th. She was supposed to stay in a sort of hostel, but the hotel actually upgraded her to a room of her own after her roommates complained of odd behavior from her. She was supposed to check out of the hotel on January 31st and call her parents, but she never did. Her parents were extremely worried because she never missed her calls, so they contacted LAPD and flew down to LA themselves. Hotel staff that saw her that day said she was alone. One of the last people to see her was a bookstore employee named Katie. Katie Orphan, who said Elisa was very lively and outgoing and friendly and that she had come in to get gifts from her family, clearly planning to go back home. Police were able to search the public area of the hotels but weren't able to get a search warrant for any rooms. Now on February 15th, after another week with no sign of Elisa, LAPD released a video of her last known sighting on February 1st via a camera inside an elevator. In the clip, Elisa is seen walking into an elevator, bending down and selecting several floors. She then stands up in the back corner of the elevator. When the doors don't close immediately, she hesitantly moves forward, then puts one foot outside of the doors. She then steps a bit outside the elevator, whips her head back and forth almost comically, looking in both directions, and then steps back inside the elevator, this time into the front corner near the control panel. She then backs her body up against the front wall near the control panel and squeezes into the front corner almost as if she's hiding from something. 
The doors remain open as Elisa slowly steps out from the corner and into the elevator door frame and leans against the door for quite a bit. She then very slowly steps out of the elevator, sort of leaning out, and then fully jumps out. She sidesteps where the camera can't pick her up for a bit, and you can see her right arm raise above her head, and many people say it looks like she's tucking her hair behind her ears very weirdly. She steps back in the elevator, crouches down, and presses more buttons. She stands up, steps out of the elevator again, sidesteps into the same spot as before, and she then turns to her right and does some very odd hand gestures. At first, it looks like she's talking to someone. Her hands are outstretched and her fingers are spread apart. And then it almost looks as if she's feeling around in the air for something. She makes some more gestures that can't be seen too well, but it definitely looks like she is communicating with something, almost as if it's an ASL. This goes on for a minute or two, and then she finally sidesteps away and out of view. The video continues when the elevator doors close with no one in the car and open and close once more before the end of the video with no one near it. The video quickly went viral where many people thought it was edited. Some theories of why her behavior was so bizarre state that it was due to drug use, which none was detected in her body, a psychotic break, and the most popular theory that she was being pursued by someone. Moving on to the crime scene, the water tank she was found in was eight feet tall, four feet wide, and contained 1,000 gallons of water. To get her body out, they had to drain it completely and cut it open from the side. February 21st, the Los Angeles coroner's office said the cause of death was an accidental drowning with bipolar disorder as a significant factor. Her body was found naked with the clothes seen in the elevator video floating in the water with her coated with a sand-like particulate. Her watch and room key were found with her, and her body was moderately decomposed and bloated, a greenish color with some marveling evident on the abdomen and skin separation evident. There was no evidence of physical trauma, sexual assault, or suicide. Toxicology tests showed traces consistent with prescription medication that she took regularly as well as non-prescription like ibuprofen. A small quantity of alcohol was found, but no other recreational drugs. Obviously, this leaves a lot to the imagination. The investigation determined how Elisa died, but not how she got into the tank. Any doors and stairs that access the hotel's roof are locked, with only staff having the passcode or keys, and any attempt to open them would have sounded an alarm. The hotel fire escape would have let her up there undetected, but she would have had to have known it was there. Now, it is worth noting that some K-9 units did detect her scent over by the fire escape. These tanks were huge and heavy, so it is unknown how she was able to get up into them and open and close the lid on herself, if she did this herself. A judge regarded it as about 20 pounds. Now, the autopsy is pretty questionable. It doesn't say anything about the rape kit results or the fingernails or that they were even processed probably not even going to get anything because of the state of decomposition she was in. Even though it records subcutaneous blood pooling around her anal area, which can be a sign of sexual assault, that's also a side effect of bloating. The reports also showed she might not have taken her medication. She took one of her antidepressants the day she died, but not her second and not her antipsychotic. Not taking your antipsychotic that's prescribed with an antidepressant is super dangerous and has a high risk of mania. A lot of people think she had a psychotic break. 
Now, I know some people do have different pill schedules, but she died at midnight, meaning she would have taken all of her meds for the day. Overall, no foul play was discovered, even though they couldn't complete a full autopsy due to decomp. In September, Elisa's parents filed a wrongful death suit against the hotel, claiming that they failed, quote, to inspect and seek out hazards in the hotel that presented an unreasonable risk of danger to Lamb and other hotel guests, end quote, seeking unspecified damages and burial costs. They cited no security footage on the roof and the fact that the alarm might not have been working. The hotel argued it could not have been reasonably foreseen that Elisa would enter the water tank, and since it was unknown how she got in there, they cannot be at fault. In 2015, the suit was completely dismissed. Now let's get into theories. Obviously, the first theory is murder. Now the hotel employee theory states that a hotel employee would have been the one to know how to get around and disarm the alarms. Possible edited surveillance footage leads to the theory of a hotel cover-up. Elisa had written posts on her Tumblr about people bothering her at the hotel and that she was possibly being followed. Her Tumblr kept updating after she died, even though her phone was never found. But this can be explained by Tumblr's Q feature, which allows you to create posts to release at certain times in the day. Now, another theory is that the LAPD is at fault, saying she fell victim to a snuff film. Possible evidence being they didn't look in the water tanks and didn't find her in their initial search. Now, this is pretty far-fetched, but the next one goes even farther, which is that Elisa was believed to have been murdered on January 31st by witches or Satanists. February 1st is Imbolc, which is a Gaelic tradition celebrating the beginning of spring. Mainly white religious people believe that a human sacrifice is necessary, however, this has never been confirmed. Proponents of this theory also cite that Alastair Crowley wrote a poem that is eerily similar to this case. It reads as follows, quote, let my lamp at midnight hour been seen in some highly tower where I may outwatch the bear, the spirit of Plato to unfold what worlds or what vast regions hold the immortal mind that hath forsook her mansion in this fleshy nook, end quote. Crowley also founded a philosophy called Thelema that revolves around a demon ironically named Lamb. Now the next theory revolves around something called the Invisible Light Agency. Elisa Lamb posted on the internet about a new invisible cloaking technology. This led to people believing that she was corresponding with the military who knew about this technology. There's a location on Google Maps called the Invisible Light Agency actually located inside the Cecil, even though everyone says there's nothing inside the hotel. Could she possibly be hiding and communicating in the elevator from someone none of us can see? This brings us to the questions, did she know too much about the technology? Is that why she wanted to go to the Cecil? Was she letting too much information possibly loose on the blog? And was it a national security issue when she went back to her Canada? And was that behind the weird particles found on her body? The next theory is bioterrorism, because at the time there was a huge tuberculosis outbreak. Conspiracy theorists believe Elisa was the victim of bioterrorism. Elisa might have had TB and gone through multiple experiments. Some people with TB become very confused and disoriented, which could explain the elevator video. 
She could have possibly come to America with TB and caused the outbreak because so many people drink the water. And ironically, the test for tuberculosis is actually called Lamb Elisa. Now, by far the most popular theory is that she was playing something known as the elevator game. This is a very popular game in Korea and on Tumblr. And by completing the directions, you are supposed to enter a parallel universe. Cameras and phones may cease to work and one may become confused and forget the elevator they took on their way back. It involves a lot of weird button pressing and specific instructions, and at one point a girl is supposed to enter the elevator, but you're not allowed to look at her because she's not human and will take you to a different dimension. And of course, the final theory is that she completed suicide. On February 10th, 2021, Netflix released a four-part docu-series called Crime Scene, The Vanishing of the Cecil Hotel that covers the Elisa Lamb case. While an answer to the mystery of Elisa Lamb's death remains unclear, the obsession surrounding her case has remained prevalent in the public consciousness ever since as her case is considered to be a staple of true crime history. Thank you so much for joining me today as we discuss the bizarre death of Elisa Lam. Be sure to follow the Criminology and Criminal Justice Collective's Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at CCJCUMD. For any questions about today's podcast, please contact our president, Sarah Doctor, via email sarahdoc at umich.edu. Stay tuned for the next episode as we discussed Just Add Bleach, the case of Kimberly Clark Sains.